This episode of Slay the Stigma is brought to you by Methodist Richardson Medical Center, offering high-quality family medical care in Richardson. My name is Deborah Dobbs. I'm the executive director of The Counseling Place, a victim advocacy and mental health agency in Richardson, Texas. I see the stigma around mental health as a dragon. And it's a dragon our society keeps well fed. That dragon, though, it's hurting, even killing good people. So we need to get rid of it once and for all. Now, you don't do that by addressing it or tackling it. If you want to kill a dragon, you slay it. So welcome to Season 2 of Slay the Stigma. This season, experts and everyday people will dispel myths, challenge perceptions, and offer hope about mental health. Season 2 includes a series on men, a series on spirituality and mental health, and some tricky topics like narcissism and psychopathy. Each episode delivers a powerful strike against the stigma, and we don't intend to stop until that dragon is slain. So I purposely not talked to you about this because I wanted to talk <laughs> right. to you about it for the first time and be recording, you know, while we were record- recording. Right. Because not being a mental health professional, well, you know what, I don't even know if that matters because there's a whole lot of mental health professionals that don't know this stuff. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I don't feel so out of my league like I sometimes do. Right. Um, so you're constantly learning and I, we, we should call this like Becca's brain. <laughs> Becca's amazing brain, because you're always taking in all this new information, and then you can share it in a way that I can understand. But this is complicated. Yeah, your your body is very complex. It's really incredible. That's why, that's part of the reason I like learning about it so much, is because it's just fascinating, all the things that your body and your brain can do, and how it develops, and just all the ways that it works is incredible. And there's always more to learn. Well, with you sent me a video that I want to put on our website and because it's an animated video that explains some stuff about polyvagal theory, but it talks about kind of a tied into what you studied for those two days because it talks about some of the uh, conditions the, where, where it's hard to diagnose, kind of these mystery things like autoimmune disorders and fibromyalgia Mm -hmm. and things that um, I know that there's some controversy or stigma around it because I know there's some people who say that's fake Mm -hmm. that's not a real illness but what people are experiencing is real and it's Mm -hmm. like there's just they look at okay well we're going to treat it with painkillers or muscle relaxers Mm -hmm. anti-inflammatories and they don't even can incorporate in brain health, mental health, right. in, into the treatment plan. Right. And so there's a huge part missing, and that that seems to me like 
it's emerging as the most important thing, way to tackle this. Yeah, I think we're realizing how closely and how um, how intertwined the brain is and the mind is with the body. Like you can't treat one without treating the other, um, and that's part of why um, why a lot. Of, well, that's that's a disconnect both in the therapy world and in the medical world. We're we're just now learning this. We're we're learning more and more about this, and so people we're catching up on both sides. And so eventually, hopefully, we'll both we'll all come together and be able to work together. But at the moment, um, it's kind of separated in two different fields right now. But it does have a lot to do. So chronic illness is really, really difficult because there aren't a lot of solutions for people um, and there aren't a lot of quick diagnoses. And so um, for a lot of people, they've gone through so many doctors with all these different solutions for them and it may or may not work. It may work for a little bit of time, but not always. And it's just, it's it's so discouraging and disheartening and just wears you out because, um and you can feel get really discouraged really easily because there isn't a simple solution. It's not like when you have a cold, you can go take medicine. You can go to the store and buy cold and flu medicine. Chronic illness isn't that way. And a lot of the medical models, what, we're, what we saw that week, or that this training is that they um, address more of like the agitator. Whatever's agitating the system, that's what they're going to try to address. But they don't recognize that the system has gotten off balance because of this chronic pain, because it's your experience pain for so long. Um, your body is not functioning the same way that it was before this chronic illness. And so it's really interesting, but I do want to make a disclaimer that I am by no means an expert in this or haven't even seen clients in this. It's just something that's really interesting to me. And so partly I'm sharing what I learned in the training and what I've learned just over the years studying the brain and the body. But also I like I have migraines and I don't qualify. I realized a couple days ago, I looked up the definition of chronic migraine. I don't qualify because I don't have enough per month, thankfully. But I mean, I've had um, anywhere from one to three or four migraines a month for the last like 10 years. So it's been a long time. Um, so I started seeing a therapist, uh, through a couple months ago, partly just because I feel like it's a good practice, um, for self-care, but also, um, cause I had a feeling there was a, like an emotional component that had to do with the migraines. Cause I get stressed out and there's an anxiety that comes anytime that emotion, uh, that a migraine is triggered. And so I started seeing a therapist to see if EMDR could help. Um, and that's how I actually learned about this training cause she was trained by Gary brothers. And so we've done a little bit. So I'm speaking partly from my experience, what I've experienced with it, with the migraines and how it's helped. And also from this training. So you're yeah. kind of like giving a review, almost like a review of the training you took and just sharing yeah. some things you learned. Yeah. Obviously, like the training or we wouldn't be right. devoting, yeah. you know, an episode to this. But mm-hmm. um, but you're not presenting yourself as this expert or, you know, seasoned practitioner of these things. Yeah. You're just learning, just sharing what you yeah. learn. Yeah. yeah, it is. So, okay. So you have migraines Mm -hmm. and that's what inspired you to look at dig deeper into this Mm -hmm. and we've talked about how i had an ankle sprain Mm -hmm. long time ago uh i had seen an orthopedic surgeon who described the surgery that i would need to fix this and it would be you know six weeks being immobile boot cast whatever it was my right foot back then that's my drive you know Mm -hmm. i needed to drive i was a single mom I worried about the, you know, paying off the deductible. And so here we are 10 years later. Um, I'm not a single mom anymore. I have really good insurance through my husband's company. 
I go back. I'm sick of the pain. So I, mm-hmm. I could walk and, and I can do some things, but the pain was dull, sometimes sharper, and I'd ice it at night and I'd you know, take some Advil or something. I'm okay, but it definitely limited the things I could do. I just didn't want that. So I go to the doctor, new doctor. He's like, no, it, we're, we're going to get first. Let's just try with a shot of cortisone, and that may fix it. And if that doesn't fix it, then the surgery is so minor that, you know, you'll be walking and you'll be doing, I used to do some exercises. I'm like, are you kidding me? All these years and that was the solution. Yeah. All I needed to do is go get a second opinion. And, um, so, so you and I talked because I'm not sure if the shot worked or if I'm so used to the pain. I still feel it because it's very dull and there's other parts of my foot that hurts because I think I've been walking weird for so long and so mm-hmm. now I'm having to train my foot. But if I came, not that, you know, I understand you're not doing this all the time, but let's say we were to say, okay, I don't, I have this pain, but I don't think there's an injury. Mm-hmm. Is that something yeah. you would look into? Yeah. So a lot of this training was about understanding the difference between acute pain and chronic pain and how your body handles acute pain and what happens when that acute pain becomes prolonged and your body physiologically changes. Like brain scans, it show change. Your nervous system changes when you're experiencing pain for long periods of time. Um, So whether that is because of repeated migraines, because of injury, or fibromyalgia, autoimmune uh, disorders, all of those things are have the same basic basic incidents going on within your body because it's all based on the principle of neurons that fire together wire together and so can you explain that (laughs) (laughs) i will do my best to explain it uh simply so we have uh, oh my gosh so many neurons so neurons are these little tiny microscopic things um it's like this little ball and has all these arms that go out from a tree uh, more like a, like, a, uh, tumbleweed? one of those, Especially yeah, tumbleweed, tumbleweed. <laughs> or one of those kids toys that has all these, the little, um, spiky things that come spiky out, spiky things or wobbly arms that come off of it. Ah, um, okay. so there's all these wobbly arms that come off of it and they connect to other neighboring neurons, um, to communicate. So anytime you do anything, um, there's an electrical signal that goes through all of these, uh, these neurons, they go through from a neuron through the little dendrite arm across the synapse, which is the gap in between the, the arms, to the next neuron, to the next neuron, to the next neuron. And so it, it runs through these um, neural pathways within a fraction of a second so that you can move your arm or pick up a pencil or feel joy or feel anxiety. And so it goes through these pathways. And any uh, the more you use a pathway, the better it gets at doing that. And so the faster you get. So it's like uh, thinking about learning a skill, Uh, learning to play an instrument or learning to throw a fastball. You have to go slow at first. It's very clumsy. It feels very clumsy. You have to focus on it for a long time or like really be concentrated on what you're doing in the tiny little minute um, movements because your brain is learning. It's, It's connecting those neurons together and learning how to do this new skill. But the more you do it, the more you develop what we call muscle memory, which is really just neural pathways becoming more and more synced together and um, ingrained within your brain. 
So we talk about it in Project Positive just in terms of, th- of positivity versus negativity. So if you're going through a field and you take the same path through that field every day, multiple times a day, you're eventually going to wear a pa- wear a pattern in that field and the grass is going to be um, smooshed down and you can see exactly where you go. Neural pathways work the same way. The, the, the more you use them, the more they wire together. And when you stop using them, eventually they're going to disconnect and stop being connected. So you have, um, I think you said 100 billion neurons in your brain and four, no, a, a quadrillion um, connections. Oh, between, yeah. <laughs> That's how tiny they are. They're within your brain. And then you have it also throughout your body. And so you have this nervous system, you have the central nervous system that's got your brain and goes down through your spine. And I think that's what connects to all your vital organs. Um, and then you have the peripheral nervous system that goes out from your spine and to all that like outer extremities of your body. So the nerves in your fingertips, in your face, in your muscle, in your toes, all those nerves are the peripheral nervous system. And it works the same way. So you sense something, you sense touch or a temperature in the air, and it sends signals through that nerve pathway all the way up through your spine and up to the up to your brain. And so it's there's all of this communication going on constantly. Um, I think it, he said your brain checks in like 30 times a second to see what's going on in your body. So it's just like making sure that internally, externally, you're doing okay, you're, you're safe. So that's what all your brain is concerned with is keeping you safe, noticing if there's danger and then responding when there is danger. So that's kind of the base level of knowledge um, that this is based on. Primarily neurons that fire together, wire together, the more you use them, the more they the stronger they are and the more they interact so now you get to where the difference between acute pain and chronic pain so when we experience acute pain it's because of tissue damage so like say that i put my hand on a hot stove the nerves in my hand sense that and it sends messages through my nervous system um, through the pain gates on my spine up through my spine to my brain and my brain senses it as pain as an indication of danger and my brain responds and tells my hand to move away Um, and again you know this all happens within a split second because you don't stand there for five minutes while your body is processing and going oh right I should move my hand you do that in a split second again our brains and bodies are fascinating yeah oh huh that hurts so so that's what happens in acute acute pain our brain gets the signal it sends signals back to the body to move your hand to hold your hand and it's part, I don't remember which part of your brain, but part of your brain sends messages to dampen the pain. So it closes what they call those pain gates in your spine. So you're not continuing to get those messages up into your brain. And it, um, it just does all, it sends, I think, GABA neurons or um, neurotransmitters to soothe the pain, to turn off those nerves um, so that it stops sending those signals. Now you still have tissue damage because you burned your hand. So you know to put ice on it. And over time, though, the, as the tissue heals, then you stop getting those pain signals. The nerves turn off and you stop receiving those signals of pain. So that's acute pain. That's what your body, ideally, that's how your body's going to function. With chronic pain, though, you're, there's no longer tissue damage, but your nerves are still sending that signal. So whether 
I think they said if it if it lasts beyond three months or six months, depending on who you read, um, then it becomes chronic pain. And then your system is, this is when your system just becomes misfunctioning or, um, I don't, he said disorganized, I think is what the word he used. So for chronic pain, your nerves are continuing to send that signal. Um, and it's continuing to, those pain gates stay open instead of closing. So you're continuing to get this flood of signals that there's something going on when there really isn't. Um, and then within your brain even, there's more of your brain that's dedicated to feeling pain. So you're ba- you're basically your body just, re- it's really good at feeling pain, which well, is not ideal. Why, do you know why it would do that? Um, if there's no more tissue damage and there's no injury, did he talk, or I mean, this, I'm, I'm, I'm essentially asking you like regurgitate the whole class. No, it's okay. But is there a reason why that message would be sent when there's no legit reason for it to be sent? Um, sometimes, well, sometimes it's just based off of that theory that, uh, or that principle that neurons that fire together, wire together. So maybe there was at some point, like with your foot, it, there was at some point actual tissue damage, um, but it continues to have pain even though there's no more tissue damage in your foot. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's, the, the original problem existed and then your system just got offline because those neurons got so um, closely connected and so deeply entwined. Other times it could be um, because of inflammation, because of nerve damage. The, the nerves just become overly excited and so they get stuck in the on position. Um, sometimes it's because of trauma. He emphasized quite a few times that your body interprets emotional pain the same way that it interprets physical pain. Mm-hmm. And so you're, if you're chronically stressed out, um, if you are experiencing um, abuse or anxiety or um, any adverse situation that your body interprets as danger for extended periods of time, your, your nervous system is responding in the same way. It's activating as if you are under danger. And so your system becomes just perpetually activated. Um, so sometimes trauma or um, emotional pain can become a physical illness. I think he said... Um, People with PTSD, like in one study, this is only one study, but um, in one study, people that were being treated for PTSD, I think 75% of them also had a chronic illness. Um, And then people that were treated for emotional pain, like 40% of them also had PTSD. So there's a really close tie. Vanderkolk says the same thing, Mm -hmm. um, that there's a really close tie between trauma, chronic trauma, and especially complex like developmental trauma and... um, chronic illness, autoimmune disorders specifically. Now that does not mean that any, your coworker that has an autoimmune disease was probably traumatized as a child. Don't go in assuming that, but there is a link. There is a tie there. Not every time, but there is a, it is, it does happen frequently. And chronic stress mm-hmm. manifests that way too. So it's, so if and who you... of us is not chronically stressed? <laughs> I know. Especially right now. Yeah. But for the people that I know who do have fibromyalgia, for instance, they've been di- diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that it might be, give them hope mm-hmm. and maybe be liberating ultimately if they took a different approach or added 
yeah. something to their treatment plan other than medication. Yeah. Yeah. And this is not to say, well, ditch your doctors, don't take the medication, just work on your mental health. It's a comprehensive, this is a treatment. This is not a cure. The MDR is not a cure for all of these things. This is a treatment that can help you feel better and help your nervous system to stay calm and to go back to that acute pain model instead of the chronic pain model. Um, one other thing I want to note about physiological changes with chronic pain is in the brain. There's nine regions of the brain, of our conscious brain, that um, sense pain. So whenever those neurons send the signals, it goes to nine different parts of your brain. Now, all of those, all of those sections of your brain are also in charge of other things. They're all multi, multitasking all the time. So they're in charge of things like balance like logical thinking, empathy, feeling joy and pleasure, all of those things. There, there's movement, all of that stuff. They're all, so only 5% of each section is actually dedicated to feeling pain. Uh, the rest of it is doing all sorts of other things. But with chronic pain, because those neurons become so strong, those neural networks become so great, they actually start to, to connect with neighboring neural pathways and start to kind of steal other neurons from doing what they were originally designed to do. And so maybe a neuron that was designed that was originally in charge of balance is now feeling pain instead of helping you with your balance or a neural network that was uh, responsible for emotional regulation is now feeling pain. It goes from 5% to 15 to 20%. It's a significant shift from neural neurons that were helping you to just in your day-to-day functioning are now just feeling pain. Like so one, yeah, they're hijacked pretty much. So one that explains why you feel so much pain because there's so much more of your brain sensing that, but also why people with chronic illness, part of the reason that people with chronic illness lose functioning, lose balance ability, lose emotional regulation. So there's, it's already stressed, like chronic illness is stressful, but then you also are don't have as much of your brain helping you to regulate your emotions, and so they are, there's often co-occurring um, diagnoses of depression and anxiety along with your chronic illness. Wow, mm-hmm. that explains a lot. Mm-hmm. So in your in your training, did they did you say they had did you call them practicums or yeah yeah we practiced on each other. So you did you see some did you see some pretty extraordinary things happen with those or so there's a couple different things that we did um some all of them we saw some pain reduction and I experienced it too because I I think I had my back hurt one day and then I had a headache the next day um and so these different like meditations or um really mindfulness exercises helped you to focus on like love and appreciation and care and compassion um, which closes the pain gates instead of focusing on your pain. And it really reduced your pain. And then we did what's called a pain protocol, which is a little more involved um, and incorporates a lot of different parts of your brain. Um, and there it was significant. It was pretty cool because I had a, my partner um, was a therapist who, um, when she's, she said when she experiences stress, it goes um, to her shoulder blade. And so she always has this stabbing pain in her, often, maybe not always, but often has a stabbing pain in her shoulder blade. And she experienced some, like, slight relief from the earlier exercises. But when we did um, the pain protocol, it was like it it went away. 
and you could tell, I could see on her face just this relief and this like feeling of joy and a smile. Not that she was real grumpy before, but you could tell she she was in pain and uncomfortable. Um, but it totally shifted, and there's this lightness, and she felt relief for uh, for the first time in a very long time. Um, usually, she said she has to like go on vacation and get away from everything to have any kind of relief and get a good massage. And here, she's just sitting in her office doing EMDR and experiencing relief from this pain. Um, so it's pretty cool. But it's it's interesting, like. The, the treatment that we talk about is pretty multifaceted because you're trying to address a lot of different things. Closing those pain gates, um, turning off the neurons, but also like addressing the beliefs that come from chronic pain. So when you're experiencing pain for so long, it, it alters or it affects the way that you see yourself and you see the world. And if you've been, if this is related to trauma, that trauma shapes the way you see yourself in the world. And so addressing not just the pain, but the beliefs that are wrapped around and tied into the pain. Like, I can't heal. I'll never be whole again. I'm broken. I'm, I'm not worthy of feel, of a good life. Those kind of things that just are, that being in, um, in pain for so long, having your system feel agitated and um, escalated for so long, it just it just changes we like i said we develop um we develop these beliefs based on experience not just with pain that's just how life works that's just how our brain works we develop beliefs based on experience and so we're we're also addressing these beliefs and helping um helping us to shift that that mindset and there's a lot of there's a lot of different things but those are the big things so that's that's huge mhm cool so yeah. I, I, I want to try that with the foot thing before I go back and... Yeah. Because even though the surgery is minor and I'm not going to be immobilized, why not try the yeah. uh, one of those protocols? Mm-hmm. So like with my migraines, um, when I started going to, to my therapist, Gina, she's awesome. Migraines are kind of tricky because you don't... It's, well, in my case anyway... Um, cause I don't have them all the time. I don't, thankfully I don't have them every day. I don't have headaches every day, but I do uh, have them often enough that it's annoying and, um, affects my life. So, so we can't do the pain protocol cause you have to be in pain currently to do that protocol. But what we, so what we did is focusing on the anxiety and the, the stress surrounding my migraines. Mm-hmm. So we, we talked through like, what is it like to have migraines? What's your experience? Like, what's the worst part and for me, the worst part is when I realize that the pain in my neck is going to escalate into a migraine. Um, and I had this one memory specifically of that just kind of is a great example. And so anytime I, I like, I often get pain in my shoulders or discomfort in my neck and shoulders, but there's a certain type of pain that I realize isn't going to go away um, with just general, um, remedies and is going to escalate. And so once I realize that, well, then there's all this anxiety of, I, that means that I'm, for me, it's, I'm going to be in bed for the rest of the day and maybe some tomorrow. So it usually takes me out for 18 to 24 hours. So that means that I have to call clients and reschedule. Um, I have to call friends and say, I can't make it to whatever we had planned. And that also affects, even now, I'm, I, I always get a little bit emotional when I talk about it because I hate doing that to people. Like, I hate letting people down. 
I hate inconveniencing people, even though I know it's just a normal human thing, but I still hate doing that. Mm. Um, so there's all that, that that comes up of like, um, just all those worries and insecurities and all that. Um, and then the, the worry of, I don't want to be in pain for the rest of the day. I, I know what's coming and it's not fun. It's not pleasant. And I, I don't want to feel it. So anyway, so that's what we did EMDR on is that emotional reaction to getting a migraine. Mm. So we did, we focused on that. Um, and it was interesting after that, probably a, within the next week, I got another migraine, but I did not respond the same way. I didn't have an emotional reaction to recognizing that I was going to get a migraine. Mm, good. Yeah. Like and it was up. one week later. Like how, how many sessions did you have to do uh, before you noticed you weren't uh, responding the same way? Where you saw the improvement. Um, I think it was three, but that's also because I've done some EMDR before. And so you kind of got to do, have to do some stuff to set up for EMDR. So to make sure that you, um, that you have like the inner resources to deal with all the pain and all the um, like emotional junk that comes up and those core beliefs that come up. So we did a couple sessions just of like what we call resourcing, um, doing these mindful meditations, which that was also another whole fascinating thing to make sure that I was stay like in a good spot. My window of tolerance was big enough to handle focusing on that stress and that pain. Um, so I, I think it was three, maybe four sessions. And then we did just did one for me, it was just one session of EMDR and this was not the pain protocol EMDR. This was just standard EMDR on the emotional response to pain. And then I, then I saw a difference. So instead of reacting and getting stressed out, which also exacerbates because then I get my shoulder, when I get stressed out, my shoulders tense up. And then so all the muscles that were already in pain and getting getting tense, it just makes it worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just kind of becomes a snowball. snowball. Yeah. Um, so, but this time I woke up and I realized that, okay, this is probably going to be a migraine. I thought, okay, we're just going to deal with it. And I'm going to go do what I can to, to see if I can fix it without medication. And then... If I can't, then I'll take medication. And there's been several, it wasn't just that time. It was several times of, okay, I, I'm just going to do what I can. Or I'm, I know I recognize that I'm getting stressed out about something. And so I'm going to go talk to my husband and he like just hang out with him for a little bit where I feel safe and I feel cared for. And that's going to take care of it. Um, or I think, oh, one time I woke up on a Saturday and I could tell I had a headache. And usually it's either like, I'm fine or I'm in bed. There's not really any any mm-hmm. in between. But this time I I got up and I took some ibuprofen I think and I was able to work on stuff like be productive that morning and even be on my computer doing different things. Um, and I ended up like really having a lot of pain that afternoon and having to go to bed for like an hour, maybe two, and then I was okay and then it started to go away. Wow. So that is significant. Yeah. That is, Complete, very different than what I'm used to. So it 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 didn't get rid of my migraines, and I'm still gonna go to the chiropractor. I'm still gonna take my vitamins and eat healthy, because that's part of it. That's the whole process of taking care of us holistically. But that's also a big part of it. This mental health EMDR helping my nervous system to relax and calm down and not react. Um, because originally before I did the EMDR, it was like I wasn't just reacting to that isolated incident. To that day of getting a migraine, I was, whether consciously or subconsciously, I was reacting to all the past 10 years of 
having migraines and having to make those phone calls and having to like miss out on life for a day and be in pain for a day. It was all of that that I was reacting to, not just that isolated incident. But now it's more like I'm just reacting to that isolated headache rather than everything. Okay. Uh, av- avalanche mm-hmm. coming on you. Yeah. So you said mindful, the mindful meditations were fascinating. What, what was fascinating about that? Or do you, are you comfortable? Cause this is your, you're talking about yeah, your this experience. Is, this is my therapy. Um, in general, I mean, if you want to generalize, I was just kind of curious. No, that, one's, was that one is fascinating and I can share it cause it doesn't have to do with any like really personal stuff. Um, but that is something too, is that with this pain protocol and even with my migraines, it connects to personal stuff. It's not just the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so after we finished processing through the stress associated with the migraines, it was connected to, um, like I was sick a lot when I was a kid. And so there's experiences that I had um, when I was sick and just that experience of being sick as a kid and what that, how that shaped like my beliefs and my identity and so that's what we're working on now. So it's not just, and that's what he talks about in the training too. It's not just focusing on the pain, but it's focusing on the whole thing. He, he said, if you are, are seeing a client for a certain specific amount of time, you work with them on the, like preparing them for EMDR and then on the pain for about a third of the time, maybe half the time, probably a third. And then the rest of the time you're working on like past trauma, all the belief, like these, um, negative self-beliefs like core beliefs um all this stuff that's wrapped into it that is driving the pain so also know that if you're going to pursue any like um addressing your pain through mental health that's great but know that they're going to dig into stuff Mm -hmm. so be prepared for that well and stuff just comes out right if you're doing emdr you know it's it's so fascinating to me it's like magic Mm -hmm. and you're you know for for mine it's the ball you know, mm-hmm. I, I for I can do the ball thing on the computer telehealth. That's, Where you're watching the ball go back and forth. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of people bothers them, but I mm-hmm. it works for me. Um, and you know, we just it's just so strange because you're like I'm just watching a ball, mm-hmm. and but things happen like yeah. this. The intensity of something, it it it's alleviated, mm-hmm. and yeah. and then stops the ball. Check in, you know, or and then and then it just gets better. But the whole you know, I don't want to belabor the highway driving thing, but if somebody might be listening to this and never heard that, and it, it was 10 years of trying to figure out, what the hell, what is this about? And seeing different therapists and thinking, okay, well, it's a metaphor for something, or it must be related, you know, there's some childhood trauma that may be related. I'm like, no. And, and, and then I get, you know, someone who's really good uh, at this, very experienced with this, uh, EMDR, is Lisa mm-hmm. Galliano. And she's, you know, I'm like, yeah, it's getting better. I still have a little hesitation to get on. She's like, then we're not done. Mm-hmm. Then there's something there. There's we're something missing there. something. So it's not an easy place to go to because she has me get on, like, you know, go to the, try to really feel in your body. You know, like, what do you feel in your body when you're on the highway? You feel trapped, which is, I felt trapped. Um, and, um, like I was falling, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and I'm almost like suspended or helpless. And, and so she starts the ball and then she stops it. And she's like, okay, check in. I was like, this thing came up in me that says, I, a part like says, I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. I'm like what, what is that? And, and that 
popped that would never have that never mm-hmm. came out in regular therapy it never would have come out mm-hmm. it came out in EMDR and it's a diving incident uh, nitrogen yeah, narcosis and it goes back to those neurons somehow oh your brain God. connected driving in the highway with that diving incident and so those neural networks connected and using talk therapy you can't always get there because it doesn't make sense uh-uh. and so talking through it using your logical left brain you're not going to probably going to get there but doing EMDR where you're you're just allowing your brain to heal and to do what it needs to do things come up so while I do say be prepared for that but also don't let that stop you because again your like your experiences and the things that you've been through are affecting you physically like it's all intertwined and so if you don't you can do all the treatments in the world but if you don't address the mental and emotional side of it it's probably not there's it's probably not going to get a whole lot better like you have to address it at some point because your body and your brain are telling you something is wrong and we need to fix it we can fix it there's a way to do it but i just we just needed to do it Um, And if you're with a skilled, good therapist, they're going to prepare you for it. They're not just going to throw you into the deep end. Again, we go back to resourcing and giving you the, like, internal resources and strength, ego strength to handle going back to those places. Because we know it's scary. We know it's hard. And so we don't want to traumatize, make things worse and traumatize you more. So we'll make sure that you're prepared to go there um, and we'll be with you in that and help you through it so you're not having to go through it by yourself so just so be aware but also don't let that stop you from getting help um, and especially with chronic pain because it's so um, it's so discouraging and there aren't a lot of great solutions out there but you can feel better um, so through several different ways T talks about closing the pain gate so there's certain things that we do that keep those pain gates open these are like the um, the pathway, the, the things that your nerves go through to get to your, from your peripheral nervous system to your central nervous system and up into your brain. They're called pain gates. Anyway, um, so you can do things that make those pain gates wider and, and can receive more pain signals, or you can do things that close the pain gates. And so things like there's things that we do physically, like there's inflammation. Things that open the pain gates are inflammation. Um, I wrote these down because I would forget. Muscle tension, uh, deconditioning, like just chronic illness, you may not be able to get around or work out, and so your muscles fatigue, and so that can keep the pain gates open. And so to close them, um, positive therapeutic touch, like massages, relaxation strategies, meditation, exercise, those are things you can do to close those pain gates. Um, And then cognitively, when we're focusing on the pain, when we're worrying about the pain, we have negative beliefs like, I can't heal, I'll never get better. Um, Those all keep the pain gates open. Yes, they're not physically, um, it's hard hard to equate those things because they're not physical reactions. They're not physically affecting the pain gates, but it it affects you. Again, the mind and the body are closely connected. Mm -hmm. So if we believe that I'm never going to get better, that's just increasing our capacity for pain. When we're worrying about it, we're, we're agitating our system. Our nervous system is activated, um, and so it increases the pain gates. So things that close it, as far as cognitively goes, are thoughts that help you to cope, um, distracting yourself from the pain, not just constantly focusing on it, which is hard with chronic pain. Um, positive beliefs about the pain. 
also hard. Gaining a sense of control. When you feel out of control, like you have no control over your life or your pain, that increase that opens the pain gate. But when you have some sense of control, whether it's about the pain specifically or about um, your life in general, that can help close the pain gates. Even, and you kind of have to have this shift of perspective of, yes, I can't, I can't control the pain, but here's what I can control. I can control what I do with my day. I can control um, how I interact with people. Um, and I know it's, that's all while giving yourself grace, uh, of course, um, and cutting yourself some slack. But shifting your focus to what I can control instead of just being hopeless in despair of what I can't control. Mm -hmm. And then we have the emotional side. The emotions that keep the pain gates open are like anger, depression, anxiety, fear, hopelessness, stress, Makes sense because that's when you're feeling chronic pain. A lot of times those are the emotions that you feel. Um, so to close the pain gates, trying as best as you can to have a positive attitude, have a positive outlook, maybe doing a gratitude journal to, to help yourself to, to see that it's not all bad, that there are still things that I can be grateful for. Um, finding a sense of purpose outside of your pain because too often with chronic illness, especially when it's an everyday thing, our whole purpose in life is just to make things hurt less. And so our, our days are wrapped around like how we move, what we do are wrapped around just not just feeling okay and not, not hurting. Um, so finding a sense of purpose outside of that, um, and sense of control, um, increasing a sense of calm and safety. So again, going back to yoga and meditation that helps your system to calm down, um, feeling, what did I write here? Oh, feeling reassured that the pain is not harmful, recognizing that the pain is just a signal to your body that your brain, it's an inter way your brain is interpreting that some, there's a danger out there. So recognizing that the pain is actually a good thing. Um, so we, I think about um, lepers. I think I learned this in church one day. I don't know, because leprosy is not exactly a common illness anymore, so I don't know where else I would have heard it. But anyway, for lepers, the problem is that they don't feel pain. Like they're, they lose that sense of feeling in their extremities. And so they can cut off, like have a huge gash in their finger. They don't realize it or they can step on something and they don't realize it because those pain signals are not getting up into the brain. And so they can have an, get in, like they have the cut, they have an infection and they don't realize it. And so a lot of times well, that's the problem. Oh. So pain is actually a good thing because it indicates to us that there's tissue damage and we need to deal with it. So having that shift of focus of, okay, this pain is doing something, is serving a purpose, um, and then recognizing instead of just interpreting it as pain, being, I guess, mindful in that pain, not just sensing, okay, I just hurt all over the place, but sensing where exactly you hurt and sensing the ebbs and flows of pain. Um, so it's not, you're, again, you're being more mindful and present in the moment instead of disconnecting from your body to reduce the pain. So would that be like observing it and not attaching a judgment to it, trying to do that? Yeah. Yeah. And find, yeah. Trying to not be so frustrated. Cause I, I, I know I do it with, when I, with my migraines and I can imagine with chronic pain, you just get mad at your body. Of like, uh -huh. why are you not cooperating and functioning the way you do? Um, and so trying to shift that, and it's, we have bad days. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have those thoughts. But when you can, shifting that mindset to gratitude of what your body is doing, that your body is functioning, maybe it's a little bit off um, from what it should be, but 
it's still, you're still alive, you're still getting to do things, whatever, however you can have gratitude for your body, just recognizing, not noticing it without judgment, like you said. Um, and then trying to move without pain. When he said that, I was like, I don't, some, there's some people I don't, I don't, not sure that they, how they would do that. Um, but he said, doing everything you, whatever, as much as you can, trying to intentionally move without feeling pain. And that's when he shifted, said to shift your understanding of pain, your noticing of pain, of noticing like the ebbs and flow and the, like the pulsation, kind of describing it differently. It's not just pain. Like when I move, um, there's a pulsing there. There's a, um, there's a sensation in my foot or something, but or just heat being, or... yeah, heat, okay. describing it in other ways rather than just pain. Cause then you're actually addressing what's happening in your body and not just the signals that are coming into your brain and how mm-hmm. your brain's interpreting it. So those are, so those are some things that you can do to help close those pain gates. So that's when we, when we're in a counseling session talking about, um, chronic pain, that's one of the things that we would address. Um, and then doing things that turn those nerve pathways off. So going back to the, what we talked about, neurons that fire together, wire together. When a, when you have chronic pain, those nerve pathways get really good at, at um, feeling pain. And so it's like they get overly excited and they just get stuck in the on position. When with acute pain, how it's supposed to work is that they go on and then they go off. Mm-hmm. So learning, doing things, which is where EMDR comes in, doing EMDR so that you can turn those neuron, turn those nerve cells off so that they can go back to coming on and off like they're supposed to with acute pain. And those uh, neurons can get back to what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing with reclaiming, doing things that you enjoy, moving intentionally without pain. Um, finding purpose, because then you're reclaiming those neurons that are in charge of that. So those neurons that um, were once in charge of purpose and will and all of those things in your life, when you find, reclaim that purpose, you're reclaiming those neural pathways and reworking them for their original purpose that they were doing beforehand. When you're doing things that you enjoy and finding pleasure in life, you're reclaiming those neurons that were originally responsible for joy and pleasure. Okay. So that's kind of the rewiring part of it. And the finding purpose, we we did an episode with Jonathan Riddell about this because I think when mm-hmm. people talk about finding finding purpose, they tend to think of this big thing, like it's got to be grand, and it doesn't have to be. It can be small little things. It can be, can you just touch on that a little bit for people that might be thinking, find your purpose. You know, does that mean I quit my job and, you know, no, it's not finding your bliss, whatever that is. <laughs> no. Um, but just finding, yeah, I think we're, we all want to have an impact. We want to belong and be a part of something. And so finding, um, finding something to do with your day. I don't know. Jonathan's much better at this cause this is all he, like, this is his major focus. Mm-hmm. But, um, I just mean like, finding a way to live even though you're in pain instead of just sitting on the couch feeling defeated because you're always in pain which is understandable but even if you can't go anywhere like even if you can't go anywhere deciding instead of just zoning out and watching tv or just um laying here as still as i can so i don't feel pain instead i'm going to write encouraging notes to my friends 
or I'm going to pray for people, or I'm going to read and learn something. So finding ways to kind of reclaim your life and have a purpose and impact in the world, even though you're in pain. So even if you're not ready to dive into EMDR, you've provided a lot of things people can do, maybe take some baby steps towards Mm -hmm. seeing a professional and considering Mm -hmm. this as part of your your coping or your treatment or your healing, you know? Um, so cool. That's yeah. fascinating stuff. Yeah. It's really, and it really helps me to understand chronic pain and my, personally and just professionally in a different way. And it is encouraging to me. Um, cause it just gives you hope. Like there is a solution now. Is it going to be quick? Probably not. Sometimes. Um, is it going to be easy? No, but there is at least a solution out there. Like with my migraines, I've tried so many different things and majority of them don't work. And it just gets, it just gets frustrating and you just kind of give up after a while. Um, but with this, it's like, no, this actually makes a difference. Um, and so it, sh- it just gives you hope. Yeah, so if you want to do counseling, you want to do EMDR, um, Andrea has uh, resources. You can go on there and find a therapist. Not all therapists are EMDR th- well, not all therapists are EMDR trained, and then not all EMDR trained therapists know the pain protocol and have been to these kind of trainings. So um, so you do kind of have to do your research, um, but it's out there. So use Google, use EMDR to find an EMDR therapist, and then just ask in your area, and then just ask them if they know about pain. I actually didn't know that uh, Gina had done this training before I um, went to her. I just knew she did e- EMDR. And so, so that's what I just went with. Um, and sometimes if your therapist is up on things and really is, can learn and re- do their research, they can go find the pain protocol and learn it and do it with you in your next session. So at least find an EMDR trained therapist and then you can narrow that down further to see who has the chronic pain training. The Counseling Place is a nonprofit organization. If you like what you've heard or you care about mental health, please support our work. Affordable mental health services are scarce, and we could use a little help over here. Go to thecp.org for details. <laughs>